This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. This is an audio-only version of the podcast. No simulcast or video, as David want to call it. Uh, this week, David, a little under the weather. Got some I have weird pink eye. Pink eye? Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, my children, I, my I, children I, gave me pink eye. Nice. How is that, having kids? It's Fun? great. It's great. You know, there's highs and lows. Uh, one of the lows is being sick with some just disgusting thing every... I don't know, two months or so. Yeah. Uh, well, so Dave didn't bring the pink eye into the office, so we're just doing an audio version. That's this the week. kind of courtesy. That's the kind of courtesy you can expect from me. Yeah, I brought lots of donuts in the office, like sprinkles, uh, the pink sprinkle ones you love. Uh, yeah. I just thought you were going to be here, and now you're not here, so I guess I'll have to eat them. Okay. Uh, pink sprinkles for your pink eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just pink eye. Magic. No, I didn't bring any. I didn't bring any donuts. But uh, I was hoping you would. But now you got the pink eye. So we're just doing the audio version. Uh, if you do want to tell us about your day, what you want to talk about, what you want to hear here on the POC, you can email us, Pac-12podcast at gmail.com. You can also call or text us at 424-532-0678. I think we got a voicemail and a text this week. You can also tweet us at Pac-12podcast. Uh, it's mostly me, but, you know, if I say something weird, David will jump in there. So I try to say some weird stuff every once in a while just to make David figure out how to log into the Twitter account again. And then the website is Pac12podcast.com, where all of the content goes up that I put up there. David never looks at it, so don't worry. But, yeah, good stuff over there if you want to check out some old episodes. No, there isn't. It's very good stuff. It's excellent. And a lot of good stuff in the notes today. I got a lot of good notes that we can talk about from our, you know, we haven't done a show maybe like a week and a half or so. So I wanted to uh, – I'm going to be going – on vacation, so we wanted to make sure we got a show in. I don't ever get to go All on right, vacation. everyone, David. drink, take a shot. <laughs> Brian is going on vacation again. <laughs> hey, you know, it's good to be the boss. You can go on vacation when you want. Va vacation um, from your vacation. 
I, you need those sometimes when they're really rough vacations. Uh, but if you have like, you know, an iPhone and you have like that podcasting app over on your iPhone, it's called Apple podcast. And what you can do there is follow our show, which is awesome. And you can also rate us with five stars and leave us some sort of funny review. Uh, we do appreciate that. It helps to grow the show for whatever reason. The Apple podcasting app seems to be the gold standard out there with podcasting apps and they do allow you to rate us and leave us reviews. So if you do, if you do that, we would really appreciate it. No bribes uh, this week. Do we have any new ones, David? No. And I think we must, we, we really need to reinstitute bribes because that's the only way to get these, um, um, these layabouts to, uh, <laughs> to, to do what they need to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, please get in there and uh, leave us a review. It does help uh, growing the show and all that. And we got to keep growing because who knows? A year we, from we now, like we're we've got to metastasize. We've got to continue to consume as much of the healthy flesh as we possibly can. Love it. Uh, like your pink eyes doing to your face. Right. Yeah, no, I'm going nice. to have I'm going to have pink face. Then I'm going to have pink body. Wow. Be pink. I'm going to be, be pink very... and oozing. A lot of oozing pinkness. Good um, visuals, everyone. Yeah, that, Don't you that wish is... you could see me right now? Mm. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of glad I can't. Is yeah, that, I guess. Is that, is that weird? Uh, no, I think it's about normal. That was yeah. About, about normal. Nice. Uh, all right. Well, I bought... All right. I... Well, Ryan, are you, a, are you a big Zelda guy when you were a, when you were a kid? Uh, I've, I've played it. No, I wasn't a big, big Zelda guy, but I've played okay. it. So I, I was a, when I was like a gamer, which was when I was like 10, I played a whole lot of Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, which was okay. the Super Nintendo Zelda. It was okay. great. I was really good at it. Really enjoyed it. Played it a lot. I'm a gamer now in the sense that every six years I buy an entirely new game system uh, to play precisely one game for approximately eight hours. And then I never play a game again. Right. So it's like an $800 investment or something. An $800 investment for eight hours of enjoyment once every six years. Okay. Follow me. I guess, uh, do I, is this a Zelda thing or is this a well, so football I thing? bought a Nintendo switch in 2017 to okay. play legend of Zelda breath of the wild, which was awesome. I actually probably played that for 16 hours. Okay. Right? I, I doubled my usual output. Luckily, Nintendo is not quite on the like PlayStation thing where they turn out like an entirely new game system like every two years. So I bought a second game on one of my systems for the first time ever. And it just so happened to be Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, came out last week. Um, you haven't played it? I have Definitely not. But I, I feel like it's kind of like uh, I love those games. There, when I was a kid, there was like Ultima. It would be like I forget the RPC games. Like you're like you're a player character or something, and you like go around these adventures and like to talk to people and fight oh, things. Oh, RPG. RPG. Sorry. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah is yeah. that what this is, kind of, or not really? Like uh, you... sorta. Like so, it's um, it's like a, it's like one of those Zelda games. Um, you're like a dude with a sword, and you go around and you like you know fight monsters and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's crazy. Like, it's, it's just stupid, because I'm, like, going back, and I'm thinking about, like, when I was playing, like, Super Nintendo games, and it's all isometric, like, you're looking straight down at it, and you can do, like, two things, like, you can either swing your sword, maybe you can run fast, but that's, like, it. You've got two buttons, figure out oh, what Oh, so it's not, like, complicated, this, like, you know. This stupid thing, you can fly, 
there's this entire element of this game that's crafting where you can just take materials and put them together. And I'm learning just how bad I am spatially now, like for doing this stuff. And I'm like, I'm too, I'm, I'm actually too old to be doing this. I am too old to be spending time on this and not because I've got more things, more important things to do. I don't, but because like my brain just can't handle the game. I can't do it. It's designed for brains uh, more elastic than mine now. So it used to just be like, like an like an arcade game, like sword run, like that's it. Not like, like oh, you know, you you have to collect like ingredients for a potion. No, you had you had to do all that stuff. But like my point was, there wasn't a whole lot to like. You didn't have to think too hard about how you're moving around in the world. Like you can go up, down, left, right, fall off something, swing a sword, you know, run. Right. And now you can, you know, you can fly, you can jump off things. You can attach a fan to like a glider and fly through the air. It's all just, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Recommend it. So how long are you going to play this one? I think I got another four hours in me. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. But this Uh, one cost me 600 bucks. It only cost me the the $70 for the game. Oh, that's not bad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Anyway. well, let's we, jump we into a college football podcast. We are a college football podcast. Uh, I do want to, I, I th- I'm thinking about getting a console for the NCAA football game when that comes out. That probably makes sense. Yeah. I might have to do that too, which will, um, you know, uh, accelerate my usual timeline. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the, what, like what's the new Xbox or whatever costs. I don't know which version they're on. I used to play like Halo on the original Xbox. I like that. And since then I haven't done much, but yeah, yeah. that was a long time ago. Many but Halo was pretty cool. Uh, that was, that was like 20 shooter. years ago. Jesus. Was it really? I think so. That's that's freaking crazy. Um, all right. Well, we uh, there. I got a bunch of notes in uh, in our little Google Doc, and we uh, one of the ones that just kind of came out today. Um, and uh, Brandon Marcel, a bunch of other Pac-12, I mean, uh, college football writers, uh, writing about the uh, revenue. Power five revenue distribution uh, average per school for the 2021, 2022 season. And I'll go over it with you and get your thoughts. Uh, Big 10 coming in first 58.8 million per school for uh, revenue distribution. The SEC uh, just under 50 million, 49.9 million per school uh, per year. Uh, the Big 12, a little bit of a range, uh, 42 to 44.9 million. So that's pretty good. Uh, the ACC, a little below that, 39.4 million. And then the Pac 12 is coming in last place, David, uh, 37 million. So, you know, 21 million or so, 22 million less than the Big 10. Uh, and obviously, that's going to get worse as the, you know, the SEC gets their new deal kicking and the big 10 gets their new deal kicking, but 21 million per school per year difference, uh, pretty big, but I know you're not a big, like hey, all this millions of dollars doesn't mean much, but any thoughts on the latest numbers that have come out? Only going to get worse. I mean, yeah. that gap is only going to get worse, but, um, yeah, it's I mean, pretty it's- big right now. 21 million is pretty big. You're like, Ooh, that's not good. And it's like, Ooh, it's going to be worse. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's it's describing. I mean, that's describing what has already happened, right? I mean, it's going to be going to be nightmarish. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, $21 million, it's uh, significant. Um, you know, we're already seeing a pretty significant difference in coaching salaries between uh, the haves and the have-nots. Um, and we're going to continue to see it increase. I mean, I don't know that it's anything new, is, I guess, my point. It's the same kind of story we've been hearing for years now. Yeah. Um, yeah, just the number, just kind of, the numbers just kind of were released, I guess, today. So people were kind of chatting about them. So I wanted to, uh, you don't need to justify it, yourself to me. You don't, need to, you don't need to, to justify what you've included in the document. Okay. Yeah. You feel secure in who you are and what you provide to this show. We also got some PAC 12 news this week, uh, television enhancements for PAC 12 games. So I think the we big love television enhancements. I, I really want to get your thoughts on this. So the big 12 came out with that there was a bunch of ideas they were they were mulling around and apparently the Pac-12 was thinking about this too or uh, reacted to what the Big 12 was doing but um, the release says in-game and pre-game football access initiatives approved by the Pac-12 board and to be implemented throughout the Pac-12 football broadcast on ESPN, Fox Sports and Pac-12 Networks broadcast include so this is what's going to have they're going to have in-game head coach interviews uh, they usually do that at halftime, right? Like, I guess this would be, I'm guessing they're doing it like first quarter, third quarter type deal. Yeah. Too. Like we see in the NBA and stuff right now. Um, I think those are fairly worthless. I don't know. Do you, do you every, kind of... so every bit of this is worthless except for okay. one thing. So okay. in-game head coach interviews, worthless pregame and halftime locker room camera access, worthless cameras in the coach's booth without sound, worthless extended handheld camera permission. I don't know. Probably worthless. Right. But the middle one. Coaches and select student athletes wired on field pregame. I love this shit. I eat it up every time they've got it for like major league baseball for the NFL. It doesn't matter if it's the most lame stuff in the world. It is humanizing. It makes everyone feel like they're on the field. This is cool stuff. I like it when broadcasts do it. So that is a cool initiative. Makes all the other stupid stuff worth it. Nice. Um, I love it. Uh, that's great. I want to, um, Hey, don't delete stuff in the doc because I'm going to use these for notes when I write up the thingy. Um, just uh, uh, that's uh, behind the curtain stuff there. Um, I would say we there talk you about go. That. Thanks, there you man. Go, appreciate girl. It. There you go. Uh, Washington State's president had an interview with kookfan.com, the uh, Washington State Cougar site for 24-7 sports. Um, he talks about the upcoming PAC 12 media rights deal. So we haven't heard from George Klyovkov about this. We've heard from various athletic directors or presidents sort of making different predictions or thoughts when they would get interviewed, uh, timeline things. So according to the Washington state president, um, a few weeks to a month for the PAC 12, uh, media rights deal. Now I know, uh, Ray Anderson, had said sometime like summer, like he's, you know, he was like July, August timeframe. So he was saying, you know, the, the Arizona state athletic director, he was given a different timeline. Um, I probably would trust the president more than an athletic director, especially Ray Anderson. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, again, we keep saying, Oh, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Um, just not sure when, but it seems like it's, it might be coming. Yeah, I mean, uh, this feels like we're getting uh, consistently. They're just kicking the can down the road. Um, I mean, on the record saying this, but I have to imagine 
I mean, I don't have a, a pure photographic memory of the whole thing, but w- wasn't this the exact kind of language we were hearing in like January and February too from some of the presidents? Oh, it was like March. You know, we're gonna. You know, it was a few yeah, more weeks. Late- yeah, it's before like spring that, ball. that 30 Rock thing with Matt Damon where it's, uh, he's the pilot. And he's like, yeah, 30 more minutes to take off. And that's just what you say. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I feel like this is, um, I mean, I, I feel like it's designed to keep everyone kind of in the fold and waiting. Um, I think the, the like, oral history of this whole thing, like, five years from now is going to be really interesting. Like, how much of this is gamesmanship to keep other schools in the fold from a school like Washington State, right, that might not have as many options um, to like say, oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's going to be in the next three weeks. I know. Um, and then that, you know, that puts public pressure on everyone else to kind of uh, stay together. Um, I don't know. It's really interesting because it feels like a lot of this is narrative based rather than reality based. No, I, I would agree with you there. And um, if you didn't check it out, uh, Ross Dellinger did a good story uh, for SI um, about, you know, conference expansion and kind of where things go. One of the more interesting tidbits from that story was that uh, if San Diego State, you know, expansion candidate, and, and right now it seems like the media rights deal needs to get signed and then expansion can happen. It seems like that's sort of the order of where things would go, but this might change things with, uh, and we, you know, I didn't realize this and now it's been reported by Ross and some others, I believe. So if San Diego state wants to start playing in 2024, it would owe the mountain West an exit fee about seven of about 17 million. So, you know, it's something reasonable as of July 1st. So what, six weeks from now that will triple. Um, so if you're talking about joining the PAC 12, it's not like they are flush with cash. I mean, that's a, you know, tripling that, you know, $50 million or whatever. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. You might have to wait till 2025. Uh, so it would be, you know, USC and UCLA are gone and no one's come in to replace them at least for a year. So that could, you know, put some pressure on George Klyavkov and the PAC 12, knowing that San Diego state really needs to have an answer by the end of June. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And I don't know if you got to check out his story, but uh, sort of kind of give a, a lay of the land of all of this conference conference expansion. We'll talk about some of the ACC stuff in a minute, but the, you know, the PAC 12 is sort of like, this is like the linchpin, like we need to see what happens in the PAC 12. And that's what could set dominoes, you know, following in all different directions. Yeah. The, the interesting thing with San Diego state is I don't think it's out of the question that the big 12 might try to swoop too, um, because they've shown absolutely uh, no regard for geography or human life um, in continuing <laughs> to expand that conference. Um, and in their uh, probably continuing effort to uh, kill the Pac-12, um, cutting off their avenues for expansion that might actually generate them a little bit more revenue and a little bit more juice would be one of the ways to do it. So if the Pac-12 balks at paying any sort of exit fee and just waits until, you know, San Diego State's contract is up or whatever. Um, that's where it could get dicey. You could see San Diego State getting swooped up on by the Big 12. Um, or just deciding, well, we may as well just stick it out. Because by the time, um, I don't know when they're, when is the Mountain West current deal done? Or when do they, when, when could San Diego State do it without a fee? Do we know that? 
I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, that. But the fact that it would triple mean it's That's not like you, yeah, you gotta like, you gotta you gotta shit or get off the pot more or less. Um, and so yeah, I mean that gives them basically what is that? That's six weeks to get it done. And I don't so, know if it's just and timing. It might be part of the contract where, like, if you don't say it by July 1st, you can't leave until the next, you know, it might just be, I don't think you're you're getting locked into a longer time period if you wait longer, but it's just, it's, I believe it's part of the current contract that if you want to get out, you have to pay this much. They're not locked in, and I think that's probably what, like, the Mountain West needed to do, so you can get out, you just have to pay, but you can't give us, like, two weeks notice. You have to give us more notice. I believe that's why it triples if you wait and then it would just be 17 million again for 2025, I believe. Yeah. Cause I think if you're Klyavkov in the PAC 12, um, you got to start making some hard choices. Say San Diego state isn't worth 17 million annually, probably to the conference. I don't think, um, the way the math would work out, but if you think it shores up your conference and makes your longevity, uh, you know, makes the window for longevity a little bit wider, then you have to do it. And you got to do it soon. So I don't know. It's going to be an I, interesting six weeks. And maybe this is somewhat related to um, the Washington state president saying a few weeks to a month for the media rights deal. And I think there's enough evidence for San Diego state that you're like, no matter what we do, we would like to bring San Diego state in. So can you get that done? Yeah. Um, I thought it would be after some kind of media rights deal is announced, but it, it just as much success as they've had in football, in basketball and it's as much success. Um, I mean, I've, with those sports, as far as I think it was like the last 10 years, like they've had more wins than everybody, but Ohio state for both of those sports combined and the Southern California market. I, I just feel like it just makes enough sense that, okay, this is, you know, where the PAC 12 should go prefer to sign a media rights deal, but let's just bring in San Diego state in 2024. And if it's 11 teams, it's 11 teams, but we at least have one Southern, you know, we have a Southern California presence. Uh, so I'm curious why that hasn't happened yet, but it might, you know, even if there's no media rights deal, we might see this just because we know the the exit fee is so much. Right. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. And the ACC, I mentioned, um, if you checked out any of the tweets about what was going on there, they had meetings down in Florida and it was funny. The, uh, Ross, I think this was Ross Dellinger again that wrote about uh, basically there was a magnificent, magnificent seven. That might've been Brett McMurphy, but there was a bunch of people reporting on this, that there were seven ACC schools that were looking to, you know, explore kicking the tires on how to get out of their grant of rights because they're for stability after Maryland left, they signed a very long-term contract. And this wasn't Jim Phillips, the current um, commissioner. This was, he kind of was, uh, he inherited this pretty terrible contract. That's great for ESPN. Uh, it goes until 30, 30, or 20, not 30, 2036. <laughs> and it's a really strict, might as, you know, might as well be 30, 36. Right. In this time, you know, it's, it's way longer than what, um, Larry Scott signed. And right now, as we mentioned, uh, the ACC is in third, but that's, you know, the gap between where they are and the big 10 and the SEC is going to grow. And there's potential for the teams behind them. I mean, the conferences behind them to pass them just because they're locked in for so long and everyone will have multiple contracts to negotiate while theirs is going on. It seems very difficult. There'd be huge exit fees to get out. Plus 
you don't own the rights to your home games. Um, so legally they're trying to challenge this. I think whoever, whatever lawyers wrote it, apparently it was a very good document because no, if it was easy to get out of, people would have got out of it. They are not doing it. Uh, but the, the schools, you know, it was interesting. You had Clemson and Florida state, which makes sense, but Miami, I think Virginia, Virginia tech, uh, North Carolina, and I'm maybe blanking on the other one, but, um, yeah, oh, NC State, I believe, too. So, like, North Carolina would be potentially leaving Duke behind, you know? Um, yeah. So, it's definitely, that was interesting. And then they have these meetings, and it kind of comes out that all these seven schools are looking to leave, and then the seven schools that weren't are kind of surprised, like, hey, what's going on? Um, so, it's, uh, I I don't feel like anyone's going to leave. Like, the, the, the talking out of the meeting was unity, but basically unity to the point where, unless a better offer comes along, like unless something happened where Clemson could leave, like they're not leaving until they can leave, you know, and maybe they're, they're looking for ways to leave, but right now they're happy, like whatever, they're not happy, but they're going to stick with the ACC. Um, but it seems like there's instability as far as like what the schools and programs want to do, but they're sort of locked in um, with this contract. So I don't, I feel like the ACC can't really do anything until we see what happens with the PAC 12. Maybe there's expansion and you try to add like Oregon and Washington and then you can renegotiate the rights deal. I, I don't know, but it's it seemed like there was a whole lot of discord kind of going on down there, uh, backstabbing, all of that, but no one can really go anywhere. So you kind of like you get caught like on a dating app trying to cheat on your wife, uh, but you never got to. But she knows that you were trying <laughs> something like that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, the ACC is kind of a, a weird uh, conference anyway. Like there's, I mean, there's some old, you know, Big East in there. There's there's a lot of weird stuff. They lost a lot of the like a traditional ACC like Maryland a while ago. Um, it's it's just kind of a weird conglomeration. Uh, I mean, do I, I guess the question is, do you think the ACC is sticking together through what was it, 2036? 2036, yeah. Yeah, there's no chance. That, I don't so think at, so, no. At some point, they're either going to pay buyouts or somebody's going to pay it for them or whatever's going to happen. Um, and it makes sense. I mean, the, the 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 seven schools that were listed as, you know, looking around or wandering eye, I mean, look at them. They're the seven schools that are serious about football. Uh, and then the seven others are, you know, the ones who – Maybe you have a good basketball program, but they don't really care about football or they're not very good at football. I mean, it's Boston College, Duke, Georgia Tech, Louisville, uh, Pittsburgh, Syracuse, and Wake Forest. I mean, which one of those has had a good season recently? Wake Forest and Pitt? Is that it? Yeah, Pitt. Yeah, both those schools like won their divisions, I think. Yeah, but it's not – these aren't traditional powers, but on the other side, you've got Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, NC State, Virginia, and Virginia Tech. And you mentioned North Carolina and Duke splitting. Well – that just goes to show you, like, first, money rules this, and also fan interest does not, um, and it would never will or would. Uh, and also, North Carolina is much more serious about football than Duke is, and football yeah. is the driver for all of this. But North Carolina and, like, Virginia are probably better fits for the Big Ten. Um, yeah, I think that's where they perspective. would look. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think this is more a, a strategy for how do we break this deal and then look our separate ways than it is, hey, we want to move all seven of us as a unit. 
Because I yeah. would think North Carolina, Virginia, and Virginia Tech would all make more sense as um, Big Ten-y type stuff. Um, yeah. I think Miami wants to go Big Ten, too, um, which would Miami probably make sense to get, like, South Florida. It seems yeah. like it would be SEC, but, like, they got the AAU stuff. I think I think their they would academic rather be. Side, their academic side would definitely want Big Ten, but I think yeah. there's, there's going to be other movers there, um, and they're probably going to get some big offers from the SEC to, to go there. Um, but I, th- this will break apart. It's just a question of when they can all come to an agreement on it. Yeah. And it was weird that, you know, I mentioned the Ray Anderson comments, um, you know, he had talked, he was on a, a podcast. It was on the, uh, it was a Arizona state podcast. Um, and he talked, he thought the long term viability was really strong. Uh, the 10 schools are solid, blah, blah, blah. We've heard that a bunch of times, but he was saying July or August with the, the, the rights deal. But he also mentioned San Diego state and SMU about expansion like naming the other schools, which I don't know if I've heard that from anyone else, like going out and saying who these schools are, um, which I don't know. I'm not, not a huge fan of, uh, I don't know what you think about it, but um, I know everyone's talking about it in the media, but to, for, for an athletic director in the PAC 12 to say that I, I, you know, the PAC 12 hates when the big 12 comes out and says things about, you know, stealing some of those schools. Uh, I don't know if the PAC 12 should be doing that too. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's a little bit a little bit par for the course for our man. Uh, but also, um, I mean, there's a there's a certain element where these discussions have to be kind of behind closed doors. But I think, um, I I, I don't hate the transparency generally, um, but it does make negotiations possibly more difficult. Um, and it also, if you make your interest known that other people might know that there's a market for it. And then like, again, for the big 12, but I don't think he's saying anything that's unknown. So I don't get too excited about it. I mean, I think everyone kind of gets it. Um, so I don't know. I mean, he's kind of a, you know, he's kind of consistently putting his foot in his mouth. That's just, that's just his, his style. It's kind of shocking. He's still the athletic director right now, to be honest. It's beyond shocking beyond, um, but you know what? More power to him. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Me. I thought of this. Um, I don't. Uh, so I get I have YouTube TV. Do you have YouTube to YouTube TV also? No, you don't. OK. Do you have cable? Like, what do you have? Cable. Yeah. OK. Anyway, YouTube TV. Uh, I get up most of the local channels, except I don't get channel five in Los Angeles, which is like the CW. Uh, and the CW has the live golf event. So I don't really get to watch those. I do like watching golf, but I don't really watch live cause it's on the CW, but, um, they had a big event and there's a PGA is this week. So, uh, in, you know, we, like guys like Bryce Kepka did really well, uh, at the last major, what was it? Was it the, was it the U no, it wasn't the U S open. It was the masters. I think like some of the guys from live came on and did well, um, uh, like Bryson DeChambeau did well the first day of, uh, the PGA, but they, there was a, a tournament that was like, they were, you know, there's a three day tournament. So I think it ends on Saturday. They only do, or it might be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever it was. It was the third day they do live is 54 in Roman numerals. So they only play 54 holes instead of, uh, you know, four days worth four rounds. They play three rounds and it was like four holes left on the final day. And it was like a, a packed leaderboard. Like anyone could have won it. And a lot of the CW channels cut out. Uh, you know, cut off and went to like reruns of stuff, you know, like just whatever their normal programming was. And I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, I know I tweeted, like I retweeted somebody that was talking about it, but apparently, you know, the live buys the time and they're just, when the time runs out, that's it. 
Um, but yeah, I thought it was like, you know, when, with the Pac-12 being talked about the CW, we've seen, you know, truck races preempt you know, football games and things uh, on FS1 and stuff. But I thought it was just kind of funny. Like, being well, cut off for an episode of the Gilmore Girls that aired <laughs> live uh, 25 years ago would be so cool. Like, that would be very packed. Well, I would actually yeah. never stop tweeting about that. <laughs> it was uh, was it the middle? It was something. It was like, or yeah, there was it was some. I forget what show that they were showing, and someone tweeted like the different um, outlets. Not not all of them, but I guess some of them did that, and it's something to do with their contract or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was just kind of funny. So if the Pac-12 does watch Arizona Washington State or. Can I interest you in the 1999 season finale of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? And I'm curious if, like, that's something where, I mean, Live Golf is paying for this time or however that works. I mean, if you're trying to get ratings, like, people are already watching Live Golf right now. Like, are they tuning in to see Bewitched or whatever you're putting on next? Like, or would you, you, you probably get better ratings just by sticking with the golf. Even if they, even if they weren't even paying for it, like you probably get better ratings that way. Um, that is just, was very curious that how that would happen. Very funny. Yeah. Uh, one last note. Um, someone tweeted at me asking us to talk about this. Don't know a lot about it, but it's one of these assembly bill 252. And so if you remember the whole NIL stuff started in California, and I forget what the bill number was, but uh, basically allowing student athletes to get uh, compensation for their name, image, and likeness. This legislation, um, which is actually like, I think it came from some kind of, it was like the lawsuit or whatever. Um, but anyway, there was like a lawsuit against like the Pac-12 and USC, like, you know, not paying their student athletes like employees. Um, but this one, uh, could have a huge impact if it gets through the state assembly, which it seems like it to be kind of difficult to do. But, um, you know, John Wilner wrote about it. It could have serious ramifications for Title IX and and all this. But basically trying to, uh, there would be like a revenue share with student athletes um, that, you know, if your sport's making money, players need to get a chunk of it. Uh, I think if you break it down that way. But any thoughts on this or any, you know, clarifications you want to i'll say so just looking at like the amounts being bandied about um which could be every athlete for like a specific team receiving twenty five thousand dollars annually and having more than a hundred thousand waiting for them upon graduation i i don't know here's the thing there's plenty of money that is currently going into uh, stupid buildings, stupid equipment in those buildings and stupid salaries for gym coaches that could and should be going to athletes. I don't know what the, what the amount is that allows for equilibrium that allows for schools not to cut sports that allows for them to continue to run their athletic programs and their athletic departments. Um, It's definitely more than what they're paying out to players right now, which is nothing. Uh, I don't know if it's less than what's being asked for in this bill. Um, and I think that's the the middle ground that needs to be found is where, you know, how much can you, um, you know, base compensate everyone participating in these major revenue generating sports without um, uh, cutting off the ability to fund rowing or whatever it is. Um, because the schools, it's... Um, 
this would be a major status change for how they have to run their athletic departments. Um, it would be a major competitive change because there's only, I mean, there's only X amount of dollars. So if you want to redistribute it, that's fine. I mean, and you should redistribute a lot of it to the players, but you will be putting yourself at a competitive disadvantage from a coaching perspective uh, vis-a-vis, you know, other schools in other states. But uh, at the same time, you might have a recruiting advantage if kids know that when they go there, they're going to be participating in a revenue-generating sport, and whatever their NIL compensation is, they're getting, you know, a stipend of X, whatever it is, 25000 annually, fine. Um, so there's a lot of factors to consider, but I would say the main one and the one you want to be most careful of is regardless of Title IX, uh, you would want to make sure that whatever amounts you're dictating, whatever... Um, uh, you know, whatever you determine is a, 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 a beneficial profit share for the kids that it doesn't actually, you know, cut off your nose um, and make you eliminate sports that help advance, uh, you know, kids in, in areas where they aren't getting money for it. It is a weird, I mean, the way college athletics works is very weird. I mean, this is a very American thing. You know, like if you go to Europe, there's not you don't see like big sports in the colleges, but it's big here. And the way it ends up working right or wrong is football, maybe basketball, maybe a couple other sports to some level, make a bunch of money. Um, and they fund and everything else. They fund all the other stuff. And like, I, you know, you were reading about the women's basketball got really popular, right? Like it was this, you know, the NCAA tournament for the women, uh, people were watching Caitlin Clark and all that kind of stuff. And you read the stories and it's like, well, basically if you're LSU, you lost more money than if you were like loyal to Marymount because you didn't make it very far the tournament. So you don't have all the travel expenses. The, 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 the further you go, like the more expenses that were going on and you weren't making enough money to offset that. So even though you had a lot of success and a lot of eyeballs and maybe TV contracts will change and that can change. But right now going further in the NCAA tournament was actually costing those athletic departments even more money than what they were doing. Um, so yeah. And then, so title nine is ensuring that you have, uh, for every, you know, male scholarship, there's a female scholarship. You can't just have a whole bunch of men's sports and, uh, not really women's sports. Well, football sort of like disrupts that because you have, there's no other sport where you have 85 scholarships. Um, but now it's going to be, if you have to share the money that football team makes with the football players, well, now it's not going to, like you said, the rowing team or the tennis team or whatever. Now, now what happens? And so, yeah, this is, this will be interesting. It's sort of like, it, I, I get like some of it where like you want to make this right, but the way that college athletics has worked, it might crush Olympic sports, which I don't think anybody wants to do either. And for, you know, if you're even looking at the higher level of uh, you know, the U S Olympic teams and the, you know, the Olympic committee and all of that, they sort of get this free pass by getting a lot of the training done and, uh, athletic development done by these colleges. So that could change where other sport or other countries have to like fund their Olympic teams more, you know, as far as development, and all that stuff goes. Now you have kind of like a built-in developmental staff with all these colleges too. So it's, it's definitely complicated. I'm curious to see sort of what happens with this i guess by today may 19th is when we're recording this uh wilner said it has to uh reach the assembly floor and it has to pr- pass appropriations by today 
And he said it seems likely because um, the bill's author is the chairman of the Appropriations Committee. Yeah, that seems likely. That's, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's 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 really complicated. I have no doubt, um, however, this is uh, uh, juiced and, and, and squeezed and, and uh, massaged through uh, California's lovely legislature. It's going to end up um, a mess that is poorly thought out that probably doesn't. Um, do effectively what it's intending to do um and it probably will lead to the elimination of some olympic sports if it actually does go through the way it's currently written um but uh you know i i think this is a it's the right idea i just don't know if it's going to be in the particulars what it needs to be and i think this is where a governing body for the actual sport that has a real good feel for the sport would help. But college football currently doesn't have one. There's something called the NC. What's it? What is it? It's NCAA. Is that it? NCBB or CBB? No, you're right. Yeah. Um, this is where actual rules that made sense instead of spending the last, like, I don't know, 15 goddamn years fighting even the idea that players are human beings who should get paid probably would have been better because rules coming from uh, actual people understand college athletics and understand the funding dynamic and all that kind of stuff. Cause if you watched any of the UC regents, just so just to give you a quick primer, the UC regents are basically, they're basically the California legislature. They're just as out of touch. They're just as dopey. Like the whole thing, they're all political animals. It's the same basic thing. They're not the same people, but it's the same basic thing. Did you did anybody watch or read anything about when they were discussing UCLA and the potential for going to the Big Ten and all that kind of stuff? They have no knowledge whatsoever of anything to do with college athletics. Whatever like monstrosity of a bill comes out is going to be applied so horribly to college athletics. It's going to be very bad. If you actually had a governing body that could institute, you know, good rules that made sense for all this stuff that was not just, you know trying to uh, turn back the tide of history like the NCAA spent the last 15 years doing, um, you'd be in a better position right now. And yeah. you wouldn't have so many state governments and in some cases the national government, the federal government, uh, stepping in. You would, you know, if if, the, if this was within shouting distance of equitable, you wouldn't have so many of these um, popular bills running through these states. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and do some questions, David, uh, back in a minute. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back here. How was your break? It was good. Podcast champions. I'm a little hungry, man. I gotta, I gotta go home and make lunch after this. But I haven't eaten lunch either. I'm starving. I'm, I'm kind of like hangry almost. Hangry. Yeah, a little bit. Um, like pink guy. You know, it's been a I rough. Was, it's been a rough couple of minutes here. It sounds like okay. So David created our Gmail account, mm-hmm. uh, at gmail.com and he, he. I'm more of a clean out the inbox, no unread messages person. And he's a lot, every message you've ever got, just sit there and add up. And every once in a while I have to like report a bunch of spam. And I don't know, somebody uh, must've signed the funniest up. Th- you know, the funniest thing is that somebody's using our, our Gmail account to um, sign up for a bunch of over 50 uh, dating sites. Yeah. So welcome to our time, Audrey, let's begin. <laughs> And there was a whole bunch of messages. Uh, so I was, yeah, I left this one in there because I thought it was kind of funny. Um, yeah. So David, yeah, like David, you've got some interesting stuff going on, but someone must be signing you up for these things. I assume that's not you. Yeah, it's not me. Um, we have our time. And then there was another one. What was the other one? Uh, Zook, 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 Yeah. There's also match. Uh, let's see. Matt, yeah, match.com. Um, there's a whole bunch of like messages from match. Hi, Linda. So you, you're so Linda, Linda on one Linda and Audrey. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> if, if, if you're the person doing this, it's a very funny joke and I find it amusing and I will, uh, you know, never report this to these, uh, respective institutions. I think it's very funny. Nice. Um, all right. We have a voicemail. I'll start with that. And I think. I think James is our next email if you want to do that one next, but I'll let's do the voicemail. Here we go. Hey, what's up guys? It's Perk. Um, I saw this week that there's an update that for the big 10 football package, they're moving. I want to say like eight games um, to like Peacock streaming only. And there seems to be a lot of fans within the, the footprint that are pretty pissed off about it. And just some of the feedback was you know, someone had mentioned kind of at what point the fans have a revolt and kind of go against some of these options. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering between conference realignment and some of these TV deals where stuff like that is happening of forcing people streaming only options. Do you guys think there's going to be a revolt from the fans? And if so, I guess in which area do you think it would, would be, do you think it would be on the TV side or just more fans getting disillusioned and not, getting into the the football games as much um i I guess the the overall question is kind of do you see blowback happening at some point and from what direction anyway thanks guys Uh, i think you go ahead uh, real quick um i know the nfl apparently is going to do a playoff game on peacock uh or it was amazon i think it was peacock so they're doing like their Thursday night Amazon games, which haven't got good ratings, but I think actual one of the playoff games, so it must be one of the early ones is going to be on a streaming service too. So it's, it's creeping in, but I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. I'll get your thoughts on that. 
I mean, I think the whole, uh, uh, not just the streaming angle, but like so many of these moves are clearly designed uh, in opposition to what any like reasonable fan of a college football program would want. Um, all of it is designed to get as much money as possible. So the streaming deals are because, uh, you know, if the Pac-12 ends up doing a streaming deal, it's going to be because uh, they can get more money doing that. And the money is the most important thing. Um, and all this stuff is driven entirely by money. And the money doesn't come from uh, the hardcore fan going to games or, you know, buying hot dogs or, you know, watching every game. It comes from, like, the broad base of everyone paying for, you know, a streaming service or paying for a cable service or whatever to, um, you know, fund that particular conglomerate, which is then willing to overpay for the product uh, to uh, the different leagues. Um, so from a revolt standpoint, I don't know. Already I'm seeing on like our message board and Ryan, you can speak to this too. And I don't know how much of it is just kind of the, you know, the the general like kind of like blahness of the Chip Kelly era and how much of it is just reality of a lot of people getting cheesed off. And it's not just like the old heads who are like, we shouldn't be paying players, but it's also the ones who are just like, this is kind of lame. I don't want to watch UCLA play Iowa. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I grew up watching games because I really had a whatever. I had a brother that went to Cal. And so it was a lot of fun, you know, going to UCLA Cal games. Um, and I, I think it's not just UCLA and USC leaving the league for the big 10, that that's one of the most notable examples, but it's all this kind of just breaking of the things that matter for college football fans. Um, I don't think it's as simple as the NFL where there are people out there who are just NFL fans. They put on the games on Sunday and they watch as many games as on TV. And that's what they do. Um, like we joke about being like PAC 12 fans and that's to an extent we are, but also like, people watch college football for their team. Like I think to a much larger extent than they're watching um, uh, in the NFL. I think people who are, you know, pro football fans like to watch all the games Um, and to just make it matter less uh, is antithetical because the whole point of college football is that it matters uh, to these people in a way that the NFL, you can appreciate on an athletic level, on a talent level and all those other different levels. The skill level is so high. College football isn't that. You're getting innovative schemes sometimes. You're getting some interesting stuff. But it's like from a quality perspective, it's not as good as the NFL. You're not watching it for that reason. You're watching it because it matters to you personally. Um, And so many of these moves, so many of these choices make it matter less or make it less accessible. Um, And I think all that stuff, I don't know if there's a revolt, but I can see people starting to get a little bit cheesed off and just, you know, paying attention a little bit less and then a little bit more and then a little bit less and so on and so forth until they just stop watching altogether. No, I I think it's a good point. We sort of lose sight of what makes the sport special sometimes. And uh, I think it was like the Yahoo guys or like it was Pat Forty, I think talking about this when they were talking about the ACC and how that you could have North Carolina and Duke break up. And why would it be? Well, because North Carolina's athletic department could get like an extra $20 million a year. You're like, well, what? Like, that's, is that what the fans care about? Or do they care about this crazy rivalry with Duke when they play twice a year in the ACC and then probably in the tournament and all that kind of stuff? You sort of lose sight of what makes it awesome, right? And it's just, well, you need to make some more money. And 
that's not what makes the sport awesome, but you're, you, you can do that. You can hurt the sport with, like you said, USC and UCLA leaving. I mean, you need villains sometimes. And just being the LA schools, people love to say, you know, beat LA or whatever. They want to come and the Rose bowl or Coliseum. It's a huge win when you come in there and, and, and beat a team from Los Angeles that you feel like is the, the privileged child or whatever. And so you get over on them. It like, it matters more. It's just, it's just, you know, they can be villains or whatever it is. You can, you can make it out for just, it's a reason why you you're in this and you know, with Cal not playing USC and UCLA or, uh, you know, it, it hurts. I think the, the whole league and, I, and it hurts USC and UCLA too, not having those games. Right. And, um, you know, they can go be villains in another conference, but it's not gonna be the same. Like does Rutgers really care about beating USC or, as much as like Oregon state would. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so, but it's, yeah, we, we lose some of that. And I think we lose sight of it just cause you're just trying to make the most money possible, which I get, like you have to stay viable, but at some point you, you do lose like your identity. Yeah. And, and that's the piece that I, I think is just not being calculated because again, and I made this point before, so I'm not going to belabor it, but um, all the people involved are short timers who don't understand the sport. Like it's, you know, and, and I don't mean to like knock Martin Jarman under Mike Bone, but um, and for a lot of reasons, I don't think Dan Guerrero or I don't know, pick your you know your USC athletic director, Lynn Swan or Pat Hayden or Mike Garrett, and for a lot of different reasons, they're not making this move. Like they wouldn't have made this move. They wouldn't have promoted making this move. And some of it let's just be real, it's because they were a little bit incompetent. Uh, but uh, some of it also was they had roots in understanding, you know, the placement of these institutions in the Pac-12 um, in a way that Mike Bone and, and Martin Jarman, by virtue of being outsiders, do not. And I think for the for a lot of fans, it's it's welcome that they are outsiders, that they have that new way of thinking, that they're you know willing to make these kind of moves. Uh, but I don't think it's great. I don't think it's great for the sport. I don't think it's great for the schools in the long run. Um, and I think there's a lot of that at all levels. I think you run into it at the conference commissioner spots where increasingly it seems like those commissioner positions are much shorter time roles than they used to be. Um, you know, these guys aren't, I mean, how long was Jim Hansen, the Pac-12's uh, commissioner? It was like 30 years, wasn't it? Was it was a really long time. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Um, and it seems like it's on an accelerating course of those guys just moving on to other things, um, trying to make a big splash. Um, you know, so there's just a lot of elements here where I, I just don't – I think it's um, decoupling from a lot of the things that make the sport. And I don't want to sound like I'm a uh, – uh, like a classical, you know, conservative, I don't want anything to change because there are some things that needed to change and need to change, which are, uh, uh, you know, paying the players, uh, which is happening to um, some degree with NIL. It's obviously better than what it was before. It's still not, you know, what it needs to be. But there's also this other element where all we're doing is changing the sport and changing the structure of it and changing the, the function of it to make it look more like the NFL so it is easier for ESPN and Fox to gobble it up and distribute it in this kind of format that they want to do. And uh, it's it reflects a complete misunderstanding of what the sport is, uh, reflects a complete misunderstanding of who the fans are and what they're going to be willing to watch and why they watch it. 
um, because I think it's losing the fact that not for everyone. I will watch UCLA, even if I, this wasn't my job, I'll watch UCLA play whoever, and I'll still be pretty invested. But I, I brought this up before, but my brother, uh, you know, I don't know if it's as interesting to him if they're not playing Cal, if they're not playing Washington, if they're not playing Stanford. Um, and I think that's that's true of a lot of them, a lot of the fans. You know, it's, oh, once a year uh, I go up to uh, Stanford or my Stanford buddy comes down here and we tailgate for that game, and that's really important to us, and that's part of the fun of college football season. Well, yeah, that's not going to happen anymore. Sorry. I mean, it's just, like, stuff like that. And it's, you know, it's UCLA, it's USC. I mean, it's whatever. But I can't imagine that it's all too different for, I don't know, Texas. I mean, I guess they're going with Oklahoma, but they're losing a lot when they go. Um and I don't know. I, I just feel it's a lot of uh, a lot of bad changes that uh, do not reflect an understanding of why why people care about college football. Yeah. All right. You want to do the first question? Sure. All right. So this is James. Uh, oh, sorry. The only Jake from the University of Washington who's not a former quarterback. It's a Jake. Pac-12 historical connections. Uh, this question is primarily for Dave, but is also a golden opportunity for a crossover episode with Petras Papadakis. I was going to send in a whole thing about how there were rumors that the Pac-12 was going to replace UCLA with a different UC, the University of Constantinople, but instead decided to cut my submission down to those traces of Byzantine and Eastern Mediterranean historical influence across the Pac-12. How would you rank these four Pac-12 historical connections from least to most interesting to you personally? One. There's a line in the Washington Huskies fight song that references the World War I Gallipoli campaign. It's harder to push them over the line than past the Dardanelles. Wow, that's a deep cut. So this was a specific thing Winston Churchill was trying to do with some uh, defunct dreadnoughts. Uh, so, Ryan, have you ever read the uh, book Dreadnought? I have not. Or anything by Barbara Tuchman, uh, who's a great World War I uh, historian? I don't believe so, no. Strongly recommend. Uh, Guns of August is one of the best things ever written. Uh, okay. But, but, uh, Winston Churchill, uh, so there was a dreadnought race where all of the different um, major powers in Europe were trying to build dreadnoughts, which were basically big battleships. And they were trying to increasingly just build bigger and better and more technologically advanced. And the end result was, like, every three years – the older dreadnoughts were already defunct. Like you couldn't, like you couldn't have sent them into battle because they were already destroyed. And so Britain, uh, at one point in uh, World War One, um, and this may have been after the creation of the U-boat. I'm a little fuzzy on the details. Many years after reading about all this, but they had a bunch of dreadnoughts just sitting around that couldn't do anything because they were all kind of outdated or they were a little bit worried about getting them sunk, and Churchill's idea was, well, we're going to go run them through uh, Gallipoli um, and up through the Dardanelles, which is the region um, uh, between the land of, of Turkey. And uh, anyway, the whole thing was a disaster. But uh, <laughs> I love that line. Uh, two, the name of the, quote, Golden Gate entrance to the San Francisco Bay, which is visible from Cal Berkeley's Memorial Stadium, actually has nothing to do with the California Gold Rush. That, quote, Golden Gate geographic place name was actually applied by the soldier and explorer John C. Fremont in 1846, prior to the discovery of gold at Sutter's Mill in 1848, because of what Fremont said was, quote, the same reasons that the harbor of Byzantium was called Chrysoceros, or Golden Horn. Love it. Love okay. it. 
Three, uh, USC's mascot is literally an American pretending to be a Roman who is pretending to be a Trojan. True. All right. And four, uh, the University of Washington school colors of purple and gold were actually inspired by a description of an Assyrian cavalry charge from the reading of a Lord Byron poem titled The Destruction of Sennacherib. The decision occurred during a UW student body meeting in 1896. The Lord Byron poem was read to dissuade the faction who were advocating red, white, and blue as UW school colors as a nod to the first U.S. president. We could then easily imagine an athletic contest between UW and USC is actually styled as a contest between the Trojans, Romans, and the Assyrians. Very interesting. Um, the best one there is... I'm going to go with the Gallipoli campaign. Uh, yeah. Sorry to push them over the line and then pass the Dardanelles. Whenever you can include a historical reference that's somewhat obscure from 108 years ago in your uh, <laughs> in your fight song, that's pretty cool. Um, somewhat obscure. It's pretty... <laughs> red and gold, uh, cardinal and gold, uh, the USC colors, uh, were the colors of Byzantium. Uh, but purple was the royal color that the emperors uh the autocraters of byzantium would wear and that's where washington got it i don't know yeah, who knows there you go so, right, thanks jake uh thank you jake you get the wolf the wolf at the end um oh and uh yeah i texted with david about this uh we got a text message um why did you guys kill doyle brunson uh, your expression of surprise at his vitality clearly shocked the system to death on 5-14-23. Good night, sweet prince. And he sent a uh, photo of the Texas Dolly. And yes, we, I don't remember why, but we were talking about books or something. And I looked over and I think you saw that I had Doyle Brunson's Super System 1 and 2 and just thought, you know. Within I, I, days, we had murdered him. Yeah, we. I think I, I maybe I asked you, is Doyle Brunson still alive? Or yes, you asked me, and I looked it up, and he was eighty-eight or whatever. Um, right, and within yeah. a couple of days, he passed. That's happened to me a couple of times, uh, where I mentioned that, and then somebody is dead immediately afterwards. Yeah, um, unfortunately, you know, I I enjoyed uh, watching him um, when I would watch uh, what's it called, uh, you know, any of the poker stuff that was on TV. And everything. Um, so that was a lot of fun. But yeah, I didn't want to see him uh, pass away, obviously. But uh, RIP Texas Dolly. He definitely was someone that, uh, you know, made me like poker more. I don't know if it was the same for you. His Super System books were really good, kind of ahead of their time of the way people are playing aggressive poker now. Uh, there, I mean, he was sort of like one of the godfathers of that, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Um no, it, uh, that was a ton of fun. Uh, like, when was that? Like, 2004, 2005, when it was just huge. Um, I was playing all the time in the dorms. Uh, but, yeah, watching all that stuff. Um, like, mid-2000s you know. and then, like, later. I think, I forget what the one guy, once the World Series of Poker got to, like, the guy won, like, $8 million or something. Or, well, it was Chris Moneymaker, like, probably mid-2000s, right? When he won. Yeah, that was 2003, I think. Oh, was that three? Okay. Um, and maybe like 2006 was when I forget what the dude, that, the guy that won when it got to like 8 million, Jimmy or Jim, I can't, but I used to play with against him at the hustler casino. I uh, used to play sometimes and he went off and, you know, and there was some controversy about like someone paid for half his buy-in. So then 
uh, I forget what it was. There was a whole bunch of crap going on back then, but you know, online poker was becoming popular and uh, it was just like a big deal. But you know, Doyle's book about, you know, super system of what you need to do. And uh, it got, things got even more aggressive, uh, you know, forward, but just aggression is just kind of the way you go and uh, you force the action and you people lay down hands that are not as good as yours. And it's just, you know, you see that kind of hyper aggression, like all through poker and stuff now. And they, it's changed. Like, you know, what, what the raise should be where it used to be like typical is like three times, whatever the bet was. And some of it's changed where I think it's like two or two and a half. I, I haven't played for a while, but um, no, I haven't played poker in a long time. The math behind all this stuff is, is interesting to me. And like the, trying to read people and, you know, think about what they have and everything. It was great. But Doyle was uh, obviously amazing at that. And, uh, you know, reading both of his books, maybe I'll go back and read them again. Cause it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I think that's it, right? Is that it? Is that all uh, did you, did you take an interview request? Oh yeah. I went on the solid verbal. If anybody wants to go tune into that, talk to how, how was that about, it was good. Uh, I talked to them about uh, UCLA, uh, their spring, and uh, Chip Kelly, and lots of fun stuff. You uh, cheated on me. You can, you did another podcast. I did. There. I cheated on you. But you had already cheated on me with the same people. So right. it's really kind of an odd sexual thing going on there. Uh, yeah, I already <laughs> dipped my toes into the Dan Rubenstein pool, and then you followed. <laughs> Sloppy seconds. <laughs> Oh, that was yeah. good. We love those guys. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that was cool. And you actually responded. I can't believe you responded. Like I looked, I'm like, oh, I haven't looked at this. It email was odd because for... I had just so happened to be in the podcast of champions email uh, because I think one of those one of those hour time things had just come in. <laughs> like, what the hell is this? And then the interview request came in, so I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Um, so yeah, but I actually responded, um, and uh, there you have it. 22 solid minutes of my face on uh, their stream yard. Nice. Um, do you know Kevin wants to talk to us on Zusk or Zusk or whatever? Kevin on Zusk? I haven't gotten. He wants to. He wants oh, to. Oh, is there a new. Oh, Kevin wants to talk to you replied now on Zusk. Yeah, that was like 430 in the morning. That's got to be a quality person. Um, should I, I, should I, should I request access to these? You, I mean, you need to look to see what they set up for the profile. All right, I hang on. Think. because like we're apparently women yeah we're women Uh, oh i've got a picture oh gosh okay uh she's claiming to be her birthday is the 27th of october 1962 so we are old we're 60 we're 60 almost 61 uh she's only 10 percent complete with her uh profile she's 5'2 doesn't smoke, is a Christian, no children. Uh, is this Zeus, Zusk or is this the this match? Is, this or... is the Zusk one. Zusk. But why, why did she use our email address? Uh, I mean, it has to be trolling us, right? Like, wouldn't that be... I don't know. Like this, this, uh, yeah, it's gotta be that or somebody is just using email addresses to fish people. And so we are part of a fish campaign. Oh, maybe that's probably the most likely thing. 
Um, I should probably shut these things down. I would think, because, like, well, and then there's, like, people actually uh, messaging us, right? Like, messaging. Yeah, messages are, you you have to subscribe to get messages. Okay. I I don't know. I don't. I'm not, I, I'll say I don't really understand Zeusk. Yeah, I don't either, but... Um, all right, yeah, maybe shut up now. Yeah, it might be, might be about that time. Okay. Well, good stuff. Uh, that's all we got this week. Um, yeah, it might be a little while. Let's send us any stuff. I can maybe do a remote podcast from where I'm going to be, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, I don't get to go on vacation very often, so it'll be fun to, to get away for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, Whoa. yeah, you don't get to do that. Hold on. Uh, Ryan, like the LA Times reporting, Mike Bowen has resigned from his position as USC Athletic Director effective immediately. Wait, what? Like, literally, he just tweeted that. Is this the real Ryan Car- like, This has to be. Uh, wow. What? So there's got to be some news dump coming after that, right? Um, there's got to be something, dude. There's no way you just do that. Holy cow. Um, well, you got to get off and go do some stuff. That changed my day. What the heck? Okay, let's see. Any details? He issued a statement. Let's see. What's the statement? The statement is, after more than 40 years of college athletics leadership, it is the right time to step away from my position as director of athletics at the University of Southern California. Yada, 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 yada. In moving on, it is important now that I focus on being present with my treasured family, addressing ongoing health challenges, and reflecting on how I can be impactful in the future. So potential health issue. Potential health. But also family. But also family. Health of family. Wow. Um, that's uh, interesting. Wow. Uh, I gotta love Twitter. That is crazy. Not paying for a blue check, but gotta love Twitter still. Wow. Uh, yeah. Well, we got that. We got that in. <laughs> the first reaction will be from us, basically just going like, "Wow." wow. <laughs> well, after uh, I just uh, after I just uh, talked smack about him being a interloper who doesn't uh, who doesn't have a feel for things, USC will get another chance to hire a, a retread. It'll be interesting to see where they go. Um, if you go back, you know, you've had a lot of success with Mike Bone, right? You bring in, uh, bring in Lincoln Matt Riley. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to go. You got you got to go back, football player, former football player, right? Yeah, Matt Liner. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna put my name in the hat for this job. I think you could do it. I definitely could do it. I think you're seasoned now. How hard can it be? Come on. <laughs> Honestly, it can't be Just that don't make hard. Make stupid decisions. <laughs> Mike Mike Garrett did it for a long time. Can't be that hard. <laughs> yeah. Um. Very very interesting there though. So like, and just for perspective, like, I and I I said this. I spoke at a luncheon, a USC luncheon yesterday, and uh, you know, I think. Mike Bone is pretty good, you know, like, is he great? I don't know. Like he's, he's definitely a lot better than what they've had. Like he's someone that's been an athletic director. Uh, he's hired some good people, you know, there's, I think he's done, you know, some good things, but it would take time, you know, to know if he's like a a great athletic director, just someone that's literally someone that's competent and you could do a pretty good job at USC. And 
he's at least that. And, uh, you know, with potential, there's more upside there. We'll see. Um, but he's been uh, a good person to deal with. Uh, he's come on, you know, one-on-one with me on my shows. Uh, when I first met him, like he had me like, I, you know, I was at a basketball game and he was sitting courtside. He's like, okay, Ryan, come sit down. And I sat next to him, like for half the game, we just chatted. Um, he was someone that was definitely, uh, took the job seriously. I think he was, uh, would listen to fans. He would listen to, uh, you know, whatever one, you know, any feedback people had, he sort of kept his circle close. He didn't hire a whole bunch of people. Um, you know, they had got rid of a few people in the athletic department. You know, he brought down Brandon Sosna who left for the Detroit lions. And I know I thought he did a, I thought he did a nice job. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it'll be interesting going into the big 10, you know, he, obviously he was behind that, um, you know, go, you know, getting the move to the big 10. So curious to see, you know, why this happened. Um, but I, I thought, you know, for, as far as athletic directors go, uh, you know, I'd give him an A, like he, he did a good job and I felt he, you just needed to do the right things after the mess that was left by, uh, Pat Hayden and Lynn Swan. And I thought he did that. So, but very shocking that he's leaving right before, you know, a year out before going to the big 10, but I guess it gives USC an opportunity to, you know, hire that next person that will take them, uh, you know, take them into a whole new league and a whole new adventure, you know, uh, as far as that goes, but yeah, it's a bummer. I I liked Mike a lot. So uh, I'm curious to see, you know, what happens and hopefully he's okay. Yeah, hopefully he is. Uh, but wow. Big news. Big, big news. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's going to uh, wrap up our show with a little bit of um, breaking news. Yeah. Some. <laughs> hold on. Yeah, we didn't do the uh, breaking news. But again, yeah, hopefully it's okay. It does mention health concerns and stuff. So Yeah, hopefully um, he's doing okay. Yeah. Uh, But all right. Well, that's David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham. Hope uh, you guys enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.